open in your Bible with me to Luke chapter 4. Uh, Luke chapter 4, we're going to continue in this series on uh, be filled and fill, or actually it's, it's fill and be filled, but in order to fill, you have to first be filled. And so last week we kicked off the series with being full of the word and faith in order to see God's uh, works come to pass in our life, we need to be full of faith because that's how God operates in and through us is through faith, right? And if we want to be full of faith, we've got to be full of the word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? Romans ten seventeen tells us that. And so in order to accomplish the plan of God in your life, the part of it where he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill, what, you're gonna, what are you going to fill the earth with? The glory of God, the evidence of God, the works of God, the, 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 um, the accomplishment of God's will in your life. That's what you're, you're filling it with. Whatever that is for your assignment, you'll be filling the earth that way. But in order to do that, you need some stuff on the inside to pour out, right? Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. Well, you freely give of what you have freely received. And so today we're talking about being filled with the Spirit. In Luke chapter 4, we're going to read two verses, verse 1, and then we're going to skip on down to verse 14. And I'd love for us all to read this out loud and loudly together from the screen. Let's go. It says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. Okay, so here we go. Jesus is kicking off his ministry, and it says, uh, this is right after he gets baptized in water. You know, John baptizes him. And then we hear the voice of the Father saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And you have the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove, not a dove, not the Holy Spirit looking like a dove, but in the manner of that gentle, gracious, you know, flow. They, they, they saw this visibly with their eyes that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. And he was filled with the Spirit at that point. Jesus was filled with the Spirit. Jesus was Spirit-filled. This is important. He was filled with the Spirit, and uh, then he returned from the Jordan and was led by. Everybody say led by. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Verse 14, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. So three things I want to focus on today is uh, filled, led, and empowered right here. Filled, led, and empowered. You know, when Jesus uh, came to the earth, he, he had set aside his God qualities, many of them, such as omnipresence. Jesus wasn't everywhere at one, at one time anymore. When he was on earth in the flesh, he was only in one place at one time. That was tremendously limiting to his ministry. That's why he raised up other people to, to do the ministry, and he empowered them, and he does that still. But he was only in one place at one time. He also was not all-knowing or omniscient. He didn't know everything going on. He did not know. Here he is, God, but you know, there's times when the Bible says he perceived people's thoughts. If he perceived them, it means that he didn't already know them. He perceived them. 
Jesus learned things. There's some things he said like, like no man knows the day or the hour, not even the Son of Man, that I'm going to return. So during his time on earth, there was a limitation from, uh, that, he, that he experienced as a man. He wasn't all-powerful. He couldn't just go around doing anything he wanted at any time. Some people think that when Jesus was growing up, that, that he was doing miracles, you know, healing the frog's legs or the bird's wing and all this stuff, or in the bathtub and, and parting the water and, and such. And uh, there's no reason to believe that biblically. It makes a great story. It's encouraging. I, I heard there's a movie that came out recently about the life of Jesus, like when he was young, and it maybe was a kind of a, a, an encouraging movie and so forth, but it had some of those elements in there. And there's just no reason to, to believe that. There's no evidence the Bible would actually tell us different, that he didn't do a single miracle or anything uh, until after he was filled with the Spirit. Now, this is important because when we read the Bible, we are to identify with Jesus. We are to identify with him, to relate to him. He's our example. Uh, oftentimes, when people will read the Bible, they'll identify only with the one Jesus is ministering to. So when Jesus is ministering to the sick, the hurting, the broken, the lame, the, 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 the blind, and so forth, we see ourselves like that. When If you need ministry from Jesus, that's, that's appropriate. But, but what God is wanting to get us to is not to see ourselves only on the receiving end, but to walk as he walked and to see, okay, how did Jesus minister to those people and to identify with him in that light, that that's, that's the calling of God on, on our lives is not to always be the person who's on the needy side. If you need something, receive it from the Lord, but to be on the giving side the filling side. And that's what Jesus was doing. We want to identify with him. In order to do that, it's so important to recognize that Jesus was filled with the Spirit. You see, if we think that he was just God doing all of these things and he did it because, because he's God, then we'll always think that, well, we, we can never do any of that. But when we realize, no, Jesus came as a man, full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit, then we can experience that as well in our life, that you can be filled, led, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you about being filled. Jesus, after he was uh, crucified, resurrected, before he was ascending to heaven, he knows that, that these guys here, they all have a call, and they've, they've, they've been with him ministering and so forth, and, and they've got to get to business. However, in Acts chapter 1, verses 4, through 5 and verse 8, he says, it says this, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For, God, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Jesus is telling these guys, if I needed the Spirit to start my ministry, you need the Spirit to start your ministry. If I needed the Spirit to do the things God's called me to, you need the Holy Spirit to do the things that he's called you to. And I would say this, man, if he needed the Spirit, how much more do I need the Spirit, right? Because uh, st he started off with like a clean slate. I, I started off in the negative, you know, with like I had to get born again. He was already born righteous, but nevertheless, he needed the Spirit. How much more do you and I need the Spirit? 
Now, Jesus is telling his disciples this, his followers, hey, don't leave, wait. Well, how long does it, do they have to wait for? These guys have jobs, they have families, they have you know, homes, they have communities, they have these other things. You know, many of them do. We're not just talking the, the 12 here or the 11 at this point. We're, we're talking about a number of them, a large number, and most of whom are from the Galilee region. They're in Jerusalem. That's a, that's a big distance. Like, hey, it's going to take a while to get there. We got to go home. But Jesus says, don't leave. Don't leave. So then they returned to Jerusalem and, and from the Mount of Olivet, which is you know maybe three quarters of a mile away, uh, which is near Jerusalem. It's a Sabbath day's journey. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They all continued. And if you continue to read the story, you see they were there praying, waiting for this Holy Spirit they really had no idea what to expect, but it, it took them about 10 more days in prayer waiting for this. Here's the deal. Some people leave too early. Some people don't wait on the Spirit of God. Some people don't press in. Sometimes it's tempting to get back to life as normal instead of taking the time just to receive from God and do what He said. Don't leave too early. Okay, so verse chapter 2, 1 through 4 says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. These people were followers of Christ. They were believers in Jesus. They just had not yet been filled with the Spirit or baptized with the Spirit. They had not been yet filled with the Spirit. They, were, they would be considered born again. But uh, when you're born again, you receive the Spirit. And Romans talks about that. Uh, everyone who's born again has the Spirit, but not everyone who is born again has been baptized with the Spirit or filled with the Spirit. It's not always uh, it does not always happen at the same time. And here are some people who experienced that in their life. They got filled with the Spirit, and then they were empowered to do the things that God has called them to do. Very first thing we need in our life is to be filled with the Spirit if we're going to fill the earth as God's called us to. And this is an ongoing occurrence, by the way. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through 21 says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but filled, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to your heart, in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. He says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. That word filled, it's, it's not a one-time occurrence. It's not, hey, he got filled with the Spirit. He became a Spirit-filled believer, and now he's always filled. But the Bible's t teaching just in the same way that someone who, to experience the effects of, of wine, would regularly drink it and consume it, right? Because, because after you, know, you wake up the next day, then if you want to experience the, the uh, effects of the alcohol, you would drink again. And he says, but if you keep doing that, 
And whatever feeling and benefit or advantage you feel like you're having, that leads to dissipation. That's going to lead to, you know, the Bible says, uh, ultimately, in destruction in your life. But instead of that, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that filled is an ongoing, continuous thing. You know why you need to be filled with the Spirit over and over again? Because you leak. (laughs) You leak. Somewhere along the lines, you're having a great time worshiping God, praising God, being used by the Lord, and a great time with the Lord. And then you wake up the next morning, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I could take on my day. Well, what do you need that day? You need to be filled again with the Spirit ongoingly. When you read through the book of Acts, you'll see that the disciples had more than one. Many of the disciples, it specifically indicates, had more than one experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But it's not just these tremendous, miraculous things like you saw in Acts chapter 2, but it's on an ongoing basis that you need to welcome and invite the Holy Spirit to fill you and not just assume that because you had an experience with God or that by faith you received the filling and filling of the Holy Spirit at some point before that you don't need it today. Today you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Today you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Second word I mentioned was led. Jesus was not only filled with the Spirit, which, which got him into the ministry, but he was also led by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. Um, John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38, Jesus, on the last day, that great day of the feast, he stood up and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Not into his heart, out of his heart. I should have actually mentioned this is part of my filled scripture before I got to the lead. Out of of his heart are going to fill, uh, uh, flow rivers of water. In other, other words... You have the Spirit on the inside of you, but when you are filled with the Spirit, when you are filled, when we talk about this baptism with the Spirit, and sometimes the language can get a little bit, uh, well, we use the same word in different ways, or we use different words to say the same thing, and so sometimes it can be a little bit maybe confusing, like when people start talking about baptism with, of, by, and so forth, the Holy Spirit. We oftentimes mean the same things, but our words can lead people to uh, misunderstand. If you want a thorough, like a, a thorough teaching and understanding of, of being filled with the Holy Spirit and to take some more time getting in the Word, this is when you want to get into level two of, of Operation Solid Lives because we talk about this in a lot more detail. And in fact, on our website, jerrydearman.com, there's a series for be filled with the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit. All of those are great teachings. That's a side note for you. Okay, Jesus said you're going to be, be filled. If you're thirsty, out of your heart will flow um, rivers of living water. And this he's speaking of concerning the Spirit. The Spirit of God's going to overflow through you. We'll get back to that in just a, a moment when we see an example of that. Now let's get to led, being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23, says, Now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such 
is no law. There is no law against such. The fruit of the Spirit. When you're being led by the Spirit, He leads you into love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are areas that He leads you. That's, that's, that's the fruit, the result of being led by the Spirit. When you're led by the flesh, if you're to continue reading there in Galatians chapter 5, it says that there's some different things that follow. Galatians chapter 5, verses 20. Well, let's look at verse 20. Oh. Verse 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I told you beforehand, as I also told you in the times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, when you're led by the Spirit, He's going to lead you away from that. <laughs> when you're led by your flesh and you're, you're stuck in the flesh, it leads you right into that. That's the result of it. As believers, we need to continually be led by the Spirit. Sometimes um, people will say, you know, they'll talk about something that somebody did, and they'd say, well, that man over there, you know, I can't believe he was talking like that. He's supposed, he's spirit-filled. Or, or that, that lady, she, she's spirit-filled and she committed adultery. Or, you know, that person's spirit-filled and you see how he beat up that other guy? Well, I'll tell you what, they may have been spirit-filled at one point, but they weren't spirit-filled at that point, right? Because the spirit doesn't lead you into that stuff. So you could have had a spirit-filled experience in the past, but just because you have a spirit-filled theology doesn't mean that you have a spirit-filled practice. And that's a, such an important distinction in our lives. Theology is great. It's important. It's a foundational. To believe the right things is so important, but it has to translate into practice in our lives. So when we talk about uh, being spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-empowered, and so forth. It's great, but it's not just a theological discussion. It really needs to show up somehow in our lives. And Jesus was a great example of this in the way he carried himself, in the way he ministered, and who he ministered to. You know, Jesus, um, when we talk about being spirit-led, this, this is another important part because Jesus didn't just go around once he got filled with the Spirit, being empowered with the Spirit. He didn't just go around doing everything that he wanted to do. He didn't just go up to the hospitals and start healing everybody. Sometimes people talk like this in, in their exuberance and lack of maybe understanding a little bit more of the Scripture. They just talk about how the church should be clearing out the, the hospitals. You know, we should be doing all this. And I'm like, all right, go do it. Go do it. <laughs> oh, well, you know, the church should be in everybody. Well, oh, go do it. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see my father doing it. I don't say anything unless I, I hear it from, from, from my father. Jesus didn't just go around and because he's, he's filled with the spirit and empowered by the spirit, doing everything he wanted to do because look at me, I've got the spirit. There was a sensitivity. He would go up, and, and, uh, and in fact, this is how Jesus operated the majority of the time when you see him doing miraculous things and so forth. He was teaching, he was preaching, and he was healing. 
He would preach, he would teach, he would heal. So often you would see that uh, the ministry that happened to people happened after they had been taught or, or preached to. Their faith is built. But even then, when Jesus is ministering to people, he's not just going and doing the shotgun approach, trying to do everything for everybody that would make their life better. You know, you can be, you can be uh, at, a, at a place where you see two sick people and you think, this person's about to die. I need to, to minister to them first. And the Holy Spirit might say, do you know, you need to talk to that person first. Well, they need it worse, but the Spirit of God knows what they, what, what, who needs what when, right? And so there's a sensitivity to the Spirit, learning to hear and, and be aware and not just move presumptuously. Now, we always act in faith, and, and some people would say, well, if I don't feel the Spirit moving me, I move the Spirit. Smith Wigglesworth said that. And, and, and you read his life and, and his story, and you think, okay, I can see that. But here's the deal. If you also read other aspects, you read how he would sit at the park bench and he would study the word and he would just read the word and he would spend time praying throughout the day. He's a plumber. He's not just this preacher, right? He's a plumber. He's working on pipes. And and anyone who knows plumbers knows those guys are always angry because they're stuck underneath the sink somewhere and they're banging their knuckles, hitting their head with pipes and they can't make the leak go away. But here he is. So he's praying. And so he's probably, you know, he's working on this and he's, he's, uh, he, he's ministering to the Lord. So yeah, he's sitting here saying things like, yeah, I, if the Spirit of God's not moving me, I'm going to move the Spirit. In other words, I'm going to step out in faith. But this is someone who is in tune with the Spirit of God. It's someone who, and you can be too, in other words. You can spend time with the Spirit of God. You can spend time filling your heart with the Word, ministering to the Lord, receiving ministry, and, and listening to Him. This is how Jesus operated as well. What is this, where is the Spirit leading me? There were times when the, all the people wanted to come out and receive more and more ministry, and he said, I got to go. Sorry, I got to go. I can't stick around here. I've got to go into the next town. This is why I've come. So uh, it would seem like it's great if you're starting to get like a good following somewhere, like, hey, let's just you know put the, the uh, tent stakes in right here and keep ministering and got a good thing going. Let's keep going. But he was sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He was spirit-led. And you can and should be too. Ephesians 4, 29 through 30 says, do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not... uh, Bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Uh, other, other versions like New King James would say, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Um, an awareness of the Holy Spirit in your life will make you more sensitive to him. And he says, don't, don't grieve the Holy Spirit I mentioned that when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, he came like a dove. Uh, he's not a bird, but, but like a dove. And you get that picture of, uh, if you've ever seen doves, you know, they, they'll, they'll sometimes, you can get close to a dove, but sudden movements will make them kind of skittish and fly away. And there's a sensitivity with the Holy Spirit that, that not that, oh, don't move fast, don't be loud because he's going to fly away in my life, but, but man, I want to be careful in the way I live my life because I want him to feel welcome there. 
I want to invite him there. I wouldn't want to grieve the Holy Spirit or make him sorrowful. In other words, like, oh, imagine this Holy Spirit saying, man, I'm trying to work with you, trying to work through you. But that thing you do right there, like, I can't work with that. And he said, I want to, but you keep pushing me off. And so there's just a sensitivity in our life. If there, is there anything in my life that would be grieving the Holy Spirit that would limit uh, the invitation, his freedom, the ability to work in and through me? Is there anything that I'm holding on to that, that I need to let go of? And so when we're honest about that and we can do business with, with the Holy Spirit, we can present that to him. And then we can invite him back, right? Even sometimes it's, it's old beliefs, old, old you know, teaching and so forth. So be filled, be led, empowered. Remember Acts 1.8 said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When you continue to read in the scripture, you see like in, in Corinthians, in, in 1 Corinthians 12.7, it says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each for the profit of all. And then he begins to lay out some of the ways the Spirit of God empowers people. And just like there's nine fruits of the Spirit that we read in Galatians that are mentioned, there's nine gifts of the Spirit here in Corinthians that are mentioned. And these are things like um, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, word of prophecy. There's faith and 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 miracles, and healings, and there's tongues, there's interpretations, there's two more that, or one more that I, I forgot to mention, discernment of spirits. Um, discernment of spirits, these things are all mentioned there as empowerments, gifts, or graces of the Holy Spirit, manifestations. These are not the only ways that the Holy Spirit does things in and through us, but these are some specific things that are mentioned. And you see an example of this in Jesus' life, him being empowered by the Holy Spirit in the way he ministers to people in John chapter 4. Turn with me there. John chapter 4, you're probably familiar with this story. If you've been around much, John chapter 4 is when Jesus meets the woman at the well. The woman at the well as we'll always know her for all eternity. It says this, uh, Jesus departed, verse 3 of John 4, it says, Jesus departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go, to, uh, go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. He's down in the Judea, Judea area, Samaria's up here, and then, uh, I mean, Galilee's up here, Judea's down here. In the middle over here is, is Samaria. Typically, uh, Jews would do everything they could to avoid going through Samaria, so they might go the long way around, they might go the other side of the mountains and so forth. But the Bible says, but he needed to go to Samaria. And the Bible doesn't indicate any other reason why he needed to go there. It's like, not like you have to go pick something up or something for the ministry. Like, it's out of the way. And so there was a leading, uh, there was this prompting. You see the example of Jesus being led to this place. He needed to go there. So he goes there, and then they have no food. They, they, they end up at, at this well. Since Jacob's well was there, Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. 
for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. But the woman of Samaria asked him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans? Then Jesus answered her and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Well, then she starts to get into this discussion about Jesus' ability. She said, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and that well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself, he and his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of, of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus right there, he's speaking of the well of the Spirit. He's speaking of the well of the Spirit here. He said, this is going to come up in him, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Look at this. And she says, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Okay, so he's talking, and we know that Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come after me here, and, and he's going to be full of the Spirit and so forth. And we write in, in Ephesians how the Holy Spirit has sealed us for salvation, redemption. Uh, Jesus is telling her that, man, if you come to me, I'm going to give you some water that's going to well up on the inside of you into an everlasting life. She says, I want, I want that water. So what does Jesus do? He gives her a drink of that water. Look what he says. He says, go and call your husband. She says, sir, I don't have a husband. He said, I know you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and you're shacking up with the guy that you're with now. And, and she says, look at what she says in verse um, 19. I think it's so funny. Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. <laughs> Here she is. He doesn't know her at all, never have met, has never met her, but he receives a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit, an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't know this about her already. He didn't go asking around, but the Spirit of God gives him a word of knowledge, something about her that he could not have known. And I love that her response is, uh, I think you're a prophet. <laughs> <laughs> because you are reading my mail right now. And sometimes that's what it takes to get our attention or other people's attention, and that's how the Lord will use you. And so he gives her a drink uh, from the well here, and she says, I perceive that you're a prophet. That's a manifestation of the Spirit. Well, they go on to conti and continue to talk about worship and some things, but basically her world is getting rocked right at that moment. Like everything about her understanding of God and her own life and who she is, is is totally being shaken up at that moment to the point where she puts down her water uh, jar and she leaves that and goes into the city and tells the men of the city, and I think it's interesting, she tells the men of the city, right? Not all the people, the men of the city, probably because she knew them most and best, right? And because of the, who she was. And uh, she tells him, come and hear from a man who told me everything about what I've ever done. And the whole city comes out 
to hear. (laughs) I I mean, I wonder what their motives are. Like, oh, you know, I know she has a reputation, but what else do we not know? You know, why did the whole city come out to hear about, meet this guy who knows everything about her? It's just interesting. But Jesus looks at them all coming out. He says, lift up your eyes. The harvest is ready. He, He was empowered by the Spirit, and he was used by the Spirit of God to give a little bit of a drink from the well and ministered to this woman, and it impacted her so deeply that she went and and basically evangelized her whole city. And this city, however large it was, the city, they came out and they believed Jesus. They believed his word for themselves. This is why it's so important for us to be filled with the Spirit sensitive to him enough to be led by him and be listening so that when he gives us something that we would be willing to step out in faith, be used by by the Lord. You don't have to, when, when you get a sense or a prompting of the Spirit on the inside, you don't have to understand it completely. You don't have to say, you know, a word and then try to explain what it all means to somebody. Sometimes you do that and you'll get off track. Just do what God's told you to do. Say what God has told you to say. Be sensitive to that and let it go where it's at. And don't be weird about it either. You know, you don't want to walk up to someone in the grocery line and say, thus saith the Lord, you know. But if you really do have something that you feel like God put on your heart for someone maybe that you don't know, you can go up as a normal person. Hey, you like ice cream? I like ice cream too. Hey, I was praying for you. <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> Ease into it, right? <laughs> Ease into it. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Find a way to be sensitive. Okay, Lord, if you're giving me something, tell me how to approach this person so that I don't come across and, and scare them away, right? So I can graciously come and, and share a word. Oftentimes it's not that. Oftentimes it's someone you know. It's someone you know that you just are ministering to, and you just let them know, hey, I, I was praying for you, and I felt like uh, I want to share this with you. You don't even have to say, thus saith the Lord, like get all old King James, because God spoke to you. Just say, does this mean anything to you? Or whatever, you know, just graciously bring the, bring the word to them. And you'll start to see uh, when you do that, how the Holy Spirit uses you to minister to people, to impact their lives and change them. Be filled, be led, be empowered.